It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is KSL's Religion Today, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner, on KSL News Radio. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. I should mention a few things about this program before we jump into it. This is my 33rd year doing this show. Started in 1990. Before then, I was actually on a small little radio station before I moved to KSL, and 33 years now at KSL doing the Religion Today show. This has been something that I've really enjoyed doing because it gives me the opportunity to tell what I have found through research to be the truth about the LDS faith, Christianity in general, the Jewish faith, and about the United States of America. And following up on last week's program, I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into the subject of the United States and whether or not it is a divinely inspired place or not. There was a Deseret News article April 22nd of last year, 2022. And the heading, the title of it is, Many Americans say that God inspired the Constitution. Well, you know, except that part about guns and the Second Amendment. And, gee, that part we had to fix that allowed for slavery, (laughs) that kind of a thing. Well, how would you answer somebody who thought that, that, that it couldn't be divinely inspired because it allows for guns. And it also allowed in the beginning for slavery to continue. Well, the short answer is that without guns, a populace is far more likely to be taken over. And crime rates do not necessarily increase because of guns. As a matter of fact, it's generally believed that the United States has an inordinately high rate of gun violence and shootings and deaths and because of, of the fact that guns are here. That's not quite the case. If you take out the statistics of the five cities that have the biggest gun problem. Incidentally, all run by the left, but I'm not going to get too political here. Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, New Orleans, Washington, D.C. If you took those out, the United States has one of the lowest levels of gun violence of any nation in the world. So... 
one more point needs to be made here, and that is that those major cities that have all the gun violence actually have the strictest laws. Now, why would that be that you would have more gun violence when you had stricter laws? Because those who are going to get a gun and do a crime, however great or small, if there is such thing as a small breaking of, of the law by the use of a gun, what you find is that people are deterred. And you would be too. Let's say you decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to go knock off uh, a store. I'm going to go rob a store or a home. If you thought that the person behind the counter at one store had a gun, but a person behind the counter at another store didn't have one, which one would you rob? If you thought a home didn't have any guns, but another one did, which one would you go in and steal from? It's obvious. It's not the fact that there are gun laws that create um, somehow safety. It's, it's the opposite. These gun laws tend to create lack of safety because when good people can't carry guns or have access to guns, what happens is the rate of criminals using them goes way up. So that's why, yes, the Founding Fathers were inspired to add the Second Amendment into the Constitution, the idea that you can keep and bear arms. It's a very important one. And the places where it has been curtailed dramatically is the place where you have the greatest violence. All right, next idea. The U.S. Constitution could not be inspired because it allowed for the continuation of slavery. That's a little bit like saying the law of Moses could not have been inspired by God. Moses was never inspired by God. He couldn't have been because that was just a preparatory thing. It was a precursor to the time when Jesus would actually come and there would be the New Testament law, the law of love. It doesn't work that way. Certainly, the preparatory gospel of Moses was an important thing and an inspired thing. Similarly, Doctrine and Covenants, section 101, verse 80, which says, The Lord established the constitution of this land by the hands of wise men, whom he raised up unto that very purpose. That's true. And the reason it's true is because the way it was set up was the best that could be done without fracturing the idea of a union. In other words, without the Constitution, the way it was made, there would have been no United States and no ability later to remove slavery. So that's why it's really important to think through these things a little bit deeper. Here, here's another comment from that April Deseret News article from last year. It, it said that scholars warn, a gro- quote, a growing number of scholars warns against viewing the United States as a Christian nation, close quote. I find that incredulous. Those scholars who say that don't know the Constitution, or maybe they don't like it, 
they don't know how it was formed. The founding fathers at the Constitutional Convention invoked God often in the Declaration of Independence and also in their daily efforts. As a matter of fact, the day the Bill of Rights was enacted, those who were at the Constitutional Convention also added provisions that each session of Congress open and close with a prayer. Back then, it was always a Christian prayer, but more recently, there are other kinds as well, which is fine with me. The main idea isn't that somehow we're proselytizing. The idea is that we keep Christian ideals in the Constitution and in the country. Here's the reason why the scholars who warn against seeing the United States as a Christian nation are clueless. The three branches of government, which allow for separation of powers so that you don't have a president who becomes a king and rules everything, and you don't have a legislature that can go out of control and make all kinds of laws that are illegal or inappropriate. And so that you have judges that that are good judges, but, but there are limits to their power. The idea of an executive, a legislative, and a judicial branch as competing powers, none with complete power, all with checks and balances, each with checks and balances over the others, is something inspired Ah, by the Bible. Sorry, scholars. Isaiah 33, verse 22, says that God perfectly governs his people in three essential ways. As a king or an executive, as a lawgiver or legislative, and as a judge, judicial. More about this when we come back. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Religion Today with host Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio. We're back. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. If you have a question or comment about this show or any other show, send me an email to Martin Tanner, martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at 
gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond. Also, I should mention this more often as well. We're in our 33rd year. I mentioned that last segment. In addition to that, this show is broadcast at 6.30 a.m. on Sundays and also at 9.30 p.m. on Sundays, both times on KSL. You can listen to it on the Internet. You can listen to it live on the radio. You can also find archived shows as podcasts on KSL.com, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and as they say, wherever good podcasts are, are found. And you can go back and see archives, shows, search for topics, do all kinds of things. So it's not just once a week at one specific time that these shows are available. All right, back to our topic. Is the Constitution a Christian nation? Is it inspired by the Bible? The answer is yes. Isaiah 33, verse 22, describes the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government, which occurred to the founding fathers as a way to have a balance of powers, to have three different branches of government, none of which had too much power. Here's what Isaiah 33:22 says, quote, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. So judge, lawgiver, king, judicial, legislative, executive, and he will save us, close quote. So proper exercise of these three branches of government will save the people. So, yes, it was inspired. We also know that just as we read in Second Nephi chapter 26, verse 28, about God allowing all to come before him. This is, this is the same God, by the way, who talks about um, bond and free, black and white, all are alike unto God. This is also the same one who, of course— gave us DNC 101.80 that talks about the Constitution being established by wise men. So if you go to 2 Nephi chapter 26, verse 28, it says, The Lord inviteth them all, meaning all people, all men, to come unto him and partake of his goodness, and he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, that would be agnostics and atheists, the irreligious. All are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. Jew would, would also mean religious. Gentile would mean irreligious. And so the ideas that we find in the Constitution are those which came from the Bible. Let's talk a, a little bit more about some other ways that we absolutely positively know that the United States is a Christian nation, not in the sense that everybody has to be Christian, that people should all become Christian, that people should be proselyted, that they should be leaned on. That's not what is meant by a Christian nation. It means founded on Christian principles. Those are principles that if you are a Muslim, you should 
likely agree with, being good to others, caring for the poor and needy, praying to God, or if you're Muslim, Allah. Uh, If you are Jewish, they should also appeal to you. If you're Hindu, whatever you happen to be, Catholic, Protestant, other, the idea that there are a corset of Christian principles is something that all should be pleased with. Here's what John Jay said. He was the first chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. His decisions, several of them, as a matter of fact, say that the U.S. is a Christian nation and its citizens should prefer to elect Christians to political office. Why? Well, that may sound a little bit biased, but the gist of it would be to him a little bit like saying, We should have educated people to run the government, not people without knowledge and wisdom. Here's another example of the Christian nation concept that ran rampant among the founding fathers. At the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin said that he wanted every opening and closing of the constitutional convention to happen with the prayer. He said this, quote, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations at the constitutional convention be held every morning before we proceed to business, close quote. He very much wanted God to be involved. Thomas Jefferson wrote a fascinating letter called the Danbury Baptist Letter, which is often misquoted and has been misquoted in recent years by the U.S. Supreme Court, that talked about, it was written to the Danbury Baptist Association. The Baptist faith had been uh, discriminated against by the government, and Jefferson wrote them and said, hey, isn't it wonderful? Now we have this constitution, and There's a separation of church and state. There's a wall of separation. And what he meant by that wasn't that there should not be any religion involved in government. It was meant by Jefferson, just as it says in the First Amendment to the Constitution, that Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That means the federal government has to stay out of religion, has to let religions flourish, and it cannot impede them. That would mean government out of religion. Religion can be involved in government. As exemplified by the ideas I already mentioned, that Congress should open with prayer and close with prayer. All right, let's let's move on to a couple of other ideas before we run out of time. And that is whether or not people today still believe that the U.S. and the Constitution are inspired by God. There was a poll that's also mentioned in this April 2022 Deseret News article that cites that 55%, that's more than half, believe the Constitution is inspired by God, according to the Faith in America survey, 
which was released in March of 2022 by Deseret News and Marist Poll. The Deseret Marist Survey used a yes or no question to ask about the Constitution's origins. And the gist of it was, was it inspired, yes or no? And 55% said yes. There have been varying ideas about that from different surveys, but in my personal private opinion, those surveys don't ask the questions very well. Is the Constitution in trouble? In, in many ways, it is. We're supposed to have limited federal government and states' rights were supposed to be paramount. But whenever we have Supreme Court decisions, like some of the recent ones that push decisions back to the states, people don't like that. We should well heed the statements that George Washington made at his farewell address. He said, quote, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality, meaning the morality of all the people in the United States, can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. Washington wanted everybody, the populace at large, to have religious morality and religious principle in their life. Join me next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.